glory and honor is due. Yahuwah, my Ellen King, I pray that you accept from me this day my offering in Yahushua's name. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're continuing on with discipleship training and we are going to enter into the world of scripture. The opponent says, welcome to my world. Place where the natural eyes can't see, where your physical bodies can't be, where the last is first, the first is last, the end is told from the beginning, and when it is pure those as though one is losing, they're actually winning. Where trumpets are depicted as voices and the persecuted righteous don't complain, but actually rejoices. Here swords are likened to the word, or demons of bird, the dead are yet alive, and the living are actually dead. Blood and flesh are even depicted as wine and bread. It's a place wherein the humble are depicted as poor, and the poorer one becomes, they later found to be that much richer, speaking of no other place than the Yasin world of scripture. So please turn off your phones, perk up your ears, and get ready to listen for Ruach Hakodesh is about to begin teaching. Hallelujah. So we're exploring the story of Israel yet again this week. And yet again, we're going to take it from the top. And I have an appreciation for taking it from the top this week. Unfortunately, um, most of my days, um, work that I had been working on for the lesson just magically disappeared. Yeah, computer just shut down and then it came, came back on and turned back on. Lesson was gone. It was gone. It was completely gone. And I was just, I was just bummed out because it was like, you know, just like an hour before coming here. So it's like, oh man, yeah, it just uh, vanished, without a trace, you know. <coughs> And the crazy thing is, is the program is supposed to auto-save it. So, you know, I went to the auto-save files, couldn't find them. You know, it was just, uh, yeah, real bizarre. Mm. Nevertheless, oh, yeah, it's, it's within. <coughs> we just have to get it out. <laughs> you know, so as I pray, you know, yeah, you turned to me all the things I've heard being my study time with you. So we're just gonna jump right in. You know, so again we're talking about Israel, the son of Elohim. This is the overall goal of, of believers, whether they know it or not. You know, if they're believers and they're searching after Yahushua Hamashig, you know, they really are searching to become Israelites. You know, because whenever you accept Yahshua as your savior, as your king, you know, he's the king of Israel. You know, so by default, you have to become an Israelite, even as he was an Israelite of the tribe of Yahuda. Amen. You know, so we want to become sons and daughters of Elohim, you know, because that's what makes us his and that's what makes us eternal. Now, there's native born sons and and daughters, and there are those that are have become Israelites, you know, via proselytization or are becoming Israelites. You know, overall goal, get in where you fit in. Get in there, you know, and if you get in there, great. You know, I say, welcome to Israel. But 
Don't get carried away just because you got in and some others didn't or some got put out because you can lose your citizenship. And just like some of the natural born Israelites, you know, got put out, even as Paul teaches, those that were grafted into the tree ought not to boast of those that were cut off, lest they be cut off as well. You know, so you can lose your citizenship, so keep that in mind. You know, so uh, upon this journey, embarking upon this journey of becoming Israelites, at some point you're going to have to go through Misraim. And Misraim just speaks to going through a phase of learning. You're learning worldly knowledge concerning the word of Elohim and even just some worldly knowledge. You know, and this is necessary. You know, so for the would-be Israelite, you have to come, come through this. But at some point, you're going to have to make an exodus. At some point, you're going to have to stop learning about Yah. And you're going to have to start applying, you know, what you've learned about Yah to your life. And this is kind of like the exodus, mm -hmm. you know. And I was just... uh thinking, you know, like how many people just don't leave Miss Rain. They just stay there, ever learning, never coming to a knowledge of the truth. You know, and that's not what we want to do. At some point, you want to apply this stuff to your life. You know, you want to come out of the learning phase and, and start applying it to your life. And where that's going to cause you to wind up is in the wilderness. And then your wilderness experience will ensue. And the wilderness experience is an experience, you know, just centered around, you know, actually dying to the old you and becoming a new you. You know, but be careful lest you die to the old you and don't become a new you. You know, then you'll be like, you know, those who just died in the wilderness, childless, you know. It's okay to die in the wilderness as long as you're giving birth to a child, you know, because that child is going to be the one that's going to be allowed to go into the kingdom. You know, you don't want to die in the wilderness childless, barren, you know, um, spiritually speaking. doesn't matter about the natural, you know. Um, as much as the spiritual, you know, even as First Corinthians fifteen forty six teaches, the spiritual, however, was not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. And the wilderness experience deals with your natural body, whereas the spiritual or the, um, the kingdom of Elohim deals with your spiritual body. So, if you go through both phases, you will find yourself a complete son of Elohim, son or daughter of Elohim, you know, having been father from above physically as well as spiritually, you know, and that's what we want to be, you know, so we're speaking about some of the physical experiences they had in the wilderness, one of them, of these physical experiences was physical matter from heaven. You know, they got out there and Yah tested them. And the wilderness experience is also a testing phase where you go through many tests and trials. And 
Yes, you go through many tests and trials, and hunger is one of them. You know, you'll find yourself out in the wilderness starving, but that doesn't mean that you will starve. You know, Yah will not let you starve. You'll find yourself out there dying of thirst, but Yah will not let you die of thirst. It's a test. It's only a test. You know, wait on Yah. Pass the test. We should be passing this test now because we already know the outcome. You know, because we had the experience of uh, of early Israel. So we shouldn't be failing where they're failing. We already should know the answers to the test. Amen? So let us be wise in our doings. You know, this physical manner, you know, may look something like this or maybe not. You know, but this is some representation of the physical matter that they that they ate that enriched in their physical bodies you know they also had physical water from a physical rock you know Yah will not let us die of hunger nor thirst he will make certain we have everything that we need even through our tests and trials you know, now you may not have everything you want. Just like when they were in Israel, when they were in the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, they didn't have everything they wanted. You know, they were yearning for the leeks and cucumbers that they used to have back in Mizraim. They was yearning for things that they didn't have out in the wilderness that they had back in Mizraim. But they had everything that they needed, surely. And y'all will make certain we have everything we need. Whilst in this wilderness experience, we also learn to do battle. We learn to fight against the Amalekites. The Amalekites are those who attack us when we're down. You know, sometimes we get in a low, a low um, place in life, and we just feel like everyone's beating up on us. Well, this is not the time to fold up, you know. This is not the time to throw in the towel. This is the time to sit on the rock, you know, even as Moshe did. Rest upon the rock, the rock of Yahshua, you know, the rock of Yah. You know, hold your hands up. Praise the Most High. Give, give, hold up the, the um, rod of Elohim up. That is, hold up your provision. Hold up your support hold up everything you think you you need just give it over to Yah just hold it up unto him and he'll see it when your arms get tired you know you may have may need to get you an errand you know a light bringer to help bring light to your particular situation or circumstance and you may have to get a herd to help hold up your other side you know that is a man of righteousness so they can show you what righteousness look like in that particular situation or circumstance so with the two understanding your situation and circumstance and understanding what walking righteously through that situation or circumstance look like you win the battle amen you know so learn to keep them arms up keep praising them through your difficulties with the Amalek and the Amalekites. You know, and then as aforementioned, after the natural comes the spiritual, and there was a spiritual manner from heaven which natural Israel received, and that was in the form of leadership, you know, from some advice from 
Moshe's father-in-law, Yethro, you know, and he set up, set up this uh, hierarchy, if you would, throughout the tribes, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, and leaders of tens, you know, and with them in, a, in the court, in conjunction with the, the priests and Levites, this was the birthing of the rabbinic or oral law. And so, you know, this ultimately turned out to be a very bad thing. You know, so it was, it would be done away with. It was always intended to be done away with. And it was done away with. You know, um, there's also a spiritual water, you know, and that was the angel that was sent before Israel to lead them into the promised land. You know, and then while traveling through this wilderness experience, no wilderness experience will be complete without stopping at Mount Sinai. You know, you have to stop at Mount Sinai and you have to enter into covenant with Elohim. So while you're out here in this wilderness experience, you're the enter into covenant with the Most High. You know, um, at Mount Sinai, he will proposition you. He would proposition you with his covenant and you would have to give an answer. You know, you need to understand the fine print, that is the terms and conditions of the covenant, which are his commandments. You know, so before you sign on the dotted line, I would it would behoove you to read the terms and conditions and make certain you are you are in agreement with them. You know, now both the spiritual manner as well as the spiritual manner as well as the um the uh written word of Elohim, you know, make up what the Yahudim or the ancient Israelite would call Torah. Torah to them always had two parts. It was always the written in the Torah, the written in the oral. You know, so uh, the oral is the part that would be eventually done away with, you know, that that uh, form of the oral would eventually be done away with. You know, where's the written is eternal because it was of Yah and it will always be a part of Yah. You know, so if you are in agreement with all that, then you'll do just as the Israelites of old did. You know, and they said, all that Yahuwah has spoken, we will do. And so they entered in the covenant um, with them. And they become Elohim's covenant nation. And when you do so, you'll become a part of Elohim's covenant nation as well. And at that point, it's time for you to start working on making a dwelling place for Yah. Need to make a dwelling place for him to come and dwell <coughs> with you. He doesn't just want to dwell amongst us. He wants to dwell with us in us, within the midst of us. Amen? Amen. 
you know, but he can't do that unless we make a place for him to dwell. Hallelujah. You know, and so in doing so, his place is only made voluntarily with offerings that are given voluntarily. There are there is no compelling, you know, one to give in order to make Yah's tabernacle. You know, so if you're gonna make a dwelling place for Elohim, you can't be coerced or compelled to do so. It has to be voluntarily. You know, um, this is how everything that was brought in to make his house was brought in. Even as we see in Exodus 25, 2, it says, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, he shall take my offering. And that's what it's about. You know, there's no coercion. There's no com com um, compelling, you know, others to do 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 this, that, or the other. Yeah, I will put on, on each and every person's heart, you know, um, what to give. And then that's between them and Yah. You know, at that point, you know, begin to make the furniture for the tabernacle. You know, make an ark of the covenant for the wonderful covenant you just entered into. Put a, make a place to put the terms and conditions. And this was the ark of the covenant. You know, and it spoke to, anatomically spoke to our minds. And then we were told to prepare a table of showbread, which anatomically spoke to our hearts. You know, and yes, sometimes you need to prepare your heart to receive the living bread of Elohim. You know, this is why some people aren't able to receive the living bread at times, even because they haven't prepared their heart to do so. Also, I need to make a menorah because there need to be light in Yah's tabernacle. You have to have light. You have to have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge within his tabernacle. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself just sitting in the dark. That is, sitting in ignorance. Say lie. You know, now, along with this menorah is a representation of Yah's assemblies. And so, this is also a picture of finding yourself in assembly. An assembly that has is candle lit by the spirit of Elohim, you know, whereby it is emitting that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. You know, and anatomically, the menorah speaks to the lungs. Then we have a brazen altar, which anatomically speaks to the GI tract. That is from the mouth to the anus, or what I like to call from the rudy to the tootie. Hallelujah. You know, and so we are to make a brazen altar so that we can offer our offerings upon it. Now this is this coincides with your mouth, you know, which tells us we're not to put any and everything on Yah's in your mouth because that's like putting any and everything on Yah's altar. And so he gave us a list of clean foods to put on his altar and there was a host of unclean foods to keep off of his altar that we might remain our tabernacle might remain clean and holy that he might dwell in the midst thereof amen then 
He gave instructions to make the court of the tabernacle. And anatomically, the court of the tabernacle speaks to the diaphragm. The wooden post of the court speaks to the ribs, and the curtain speaks to the flesh that's around the ribs, i.e. the diaphragm. They both move with the wind or with the air. And had to prepare some olive oil because there's no use having a menorah, that is a candlestick, without any oil to burn in it. So they were instructed to also put together some olive oil, which uh, speaks to Yah's rock. And then they were instructed to prepare the high priest garments, of which there were actually six pieces. But remember, our list wasn't quite right. The turban and crown was on was included as one piece, and there were weren't any pants. So. <laughs> That just leaves us six six pieces of garment. Next, we were instructed to consecrate the priest. You know, make certain that the priests know what they're supposed to do. Make sure they're set apart. That is, they're holy and, and that they're clean. Who's the priest of your tabernacle? It, you know, you should. You should hold hold them accountable, you know, to keeping the tabernacle clean and holy. Say that. And they were instructed to make the golden altar of incense, which was situated right before the holy place. And this is where the incense will go, which anatomically speaks to the thymus, and and the incense itself speaks to prayer. They, also, they then received instructions on a census tax. You know, and they didn't take a census every year or even every four years as they do in some places. You know, but this is one of the times they did do it at least once, then David done it another time. But whenever you took a census, you were supposed to also take a tax, which is what they King David did not do, and therefore caused the plague to come before Israel, and 70,000 people lost their lives due to that. They were then instructed to erect the brazen um, labor. You know, and the brazen labor anatomically speaks to the kidneys, and it is there to keep the priests clean. You know, it was made out of mirrors so that they could look and see where they needed to be cleansed and wash accordingly. And likewise, with these tabernacles that we have, we're supposed to be able to look and see, you know, where we're not clean and wash accordingly with the water of the word. Amen? So, And uh, we went over this, but I'm not going to go over it again. But then Yah gave his recipe for anointing, his, his anointing oil. 
You know, now this anointing oil wasn't actually for people. It was his special recipe for anointing the furniture of the tabernacle. You know, and so they were instructed not to make any other um, ointment like it. And then Yah bestowed his spirit upon Bezalel and Aholiab, you know, taking them from, from ordinary to extraordinary with their skill set to, to become master carvers and to do the work that he employed Israel to do in making a tabernacle for him. Bezalel, his name, spoke to the shadow of Elohim, you know, and you know, you may remember this from Psalms 91, says he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of Yahuwah, he is my refuge and my fortress, my Elohim in him will I trust. You know, and so Bezalel is one of those who abides in the shadow of Elohim. You know, and he was the son of the light or my light, Yuri, meaning my light or my fire, and of her whiteness, which speaks to uh, righteousness. And then we have uh, a holy eye, uh, you know, whose name speaks to the tabernacle of the Father. And he was actually, you know, blessed to be one of the main workers on the tabernacle of the Father. What do you know? You know, and he was the son of Akisamak, whose name means brother of help, and he was there to be a help to Bezalel to work on the tabernacle of the Father. You know, and he was from the tribe of, of Dan, which means judgment. You know, so you can see how relevant names are in Scripture. Then, was came to the Sabbath day. Yah reiterated the Sabbath day and letting Israel know that the Sabbath day is a sign of his covenant with them and him. You know, and so it is a sign to let you know that you are actually sanctified of Elohim. Or not. Selah. And then after that, we come to what I wanted to talk about today. And that is understanding the golden calf. Now, before we get into this, I just want to put out there that, you know, what I'm about to say is supposition on my part. This is a theory. This is my theory. You know, this is my theory. You know, it's based upon historical fact that is based upon you know 27 years of studying Yah's scripture and just you know and his Ruach that's within me this is where I get this theory from you know so but I must put put it out there that this is just my theory you know and so take it for what it's worth Amen. All right, so we're going to start off with Exodus 24, 12 through 18. Yeah, can I have my first reader read Exodus 24, verses 12 through 18, please? And Yahuwah said unto Moshe, Come up to me 
into the mount and be there. And I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments, which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And Moshe rose up and his minister, Joshua, and Moshe went up into the mount of Elohim. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, our own and her are with you. If you, if any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moshe went up into the mount, and the cloud covered the mount. And the glory of Yahuwah abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moshe out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of Yahuwah was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moshe went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moshe went in the mount, or was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Okay. All right. So this is the setting, if you would, of the story. Now, what I would like for you guys to do, I want you to take a journey with me. I want you to take a journey way, 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 way back. Way back to the time of Israel actually in the wilderness at Mount Sinai during this time. And I want you to put yourselves in their shoes, you know, because I think like they really, you know, get hastily, hastily judged, you know. But I want you to really think about this. I want you to put yourself in their shoes and I want you to try to see it through their eyes. You know, so here it is. Um, Yahuwah told Moshe, come up to me into the mount and be there, right? And he promises to give him these tables of stone, you know, his Torah and commandments, his law and commandments, which he's written, right? So he said um, unto the elders, tarry ye here for us till we come again unto you. You know, and say, okay, you know, I'm leaving Aaron and her, you know, they with you, you know, so if you, if you have any, you know, hard matters, you know, bring them to them. Now, it tells us in verse 10, 15, it says, Moshe went up into the mount and a cloud covered the mount. So here it is, we have this, this cloud that's covering the mount, right? And it says, and the glory of Yahuwah abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day, he called unto Moshe out of the midst of the cloud. Now, he's describing this, right? Now, consider how it looked to the children of Israel. It tells us in verse 17 and 18, it says, And the sight of the glory of Yahuwah was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. It was like devouring fire. Devouring fire consumes everything in its path. You understand that? The glory of Yahuwah was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. Now, with that in mind, consider Moshe went into the midst of the cloud. He went into the midst of the cloud. So what it looked like to them is he went into the midst of the fire. 
the devouring fire and got him up into the mount. And Moshe was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Now, mind you, you are in the wilderness. You're in the wilderness. You don't know what's going on. This is all sudden. Suddenly, Yah decides to come visit. Suddenly, he begins to speak. Suddenly, you begin to hear this really loud horn or shofar blast. Suddenly, the earth starts quaking. Suddenly, you hear this booming voice of, of Elohim all around you while the earth is quaking. Suddenly, you're super afraid and start backing up further and further away from the mountain. I want you to think about that. You know, because it, it may look something like this. You know, this is a mountain with a consuming fire on top of it. So imagine you seeing someone go up in here. They, they travel right on up. And you see this cloud up that's over it? You see that fire right there? They climbed up and they went right in there. And they stayed there for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to just ask yourself, what do you, what would you have thought concerning that man that went up in here? <laughs> well, yeah, some folks seem to think they would have thought he was crazy. You know, others thought he would have died. After 40 days, no, he didn't say that I'll be back in 40 days either, you know. He just left. You know, they heard y'all tell him to come on up. But there wasn't no preset time of how long he was supposed to be up there. So they didn't know. They just waiting. And he said, just wait. So that's what they doing. They just waiting. But in the meantime, they seen him go up in here. Let alone, like, not just here. You know, like, that look, that look, you know, crazy enough right there. But they seen him go up in here. And he been there for 40 days. What would you have been thinking? Oh, no, anybody touched the mountain got to be killed. That's another thing. Anybody touched the mountain got to be killed, but he go up in there all the way to the top. And go up and go up in the consuming fire. You know, now this is what this now that's the setting. So I want you to think about that. So what we're told next is found in Exodus 32, 1. It says, And when the people saw that Moshe delayed to come down out of the mountain. Because I'm sure they thinking like he went up there, like, yeah, he, you know, that's his guy right there, you know. But he did go up into that fire. 
you know, 40 days later, like, man, where is this guy coming back? You know, so it says, when the people saw that Moshe delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, up, get up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moshe, the man that brought us up out of the land of Mizraim, we wot not what has become of him. We don't know what happened to this guy. We seen him going to that fire. He been up in there over a month, you know, and we kind of feeling like he not coming back. It's been 40 days. It's been 30 something days, actually. You know, it's like it's been a long time. Like, come on, he went in the fire, man. Like, make us gods which shall go before us. Now, first off, let us consider that Aaron is petitioned to make Israel gods. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's not singular, it's plural. Gods mm -hmm. to go before them. Now, I believe these quote-unquote gods are in reference to a group of people. More so than the golden calf. Most people, when they read this, they think the gods is the golden calf but i really believe the gods are actually a group of people more so than the golden calf okay. now the golden calf plays a part but the gods you know i believe is speaking to is speaking to the people a certain group of people why because and and because the god wasn't to replace yahuwah it wasn't to replace Yahuwah. You know, consider verses 2 through 5. It says, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. And after he had made it a molten calf, he, and they said, These be thy gods. Oh, Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Mizraim. First of all, they still talking gods, plural, and he only made a calf singular. But it does speak of a plurality. He received them of their hands. So it was more than one of them. Hence the term gods. You know, and remember, a god is just simply what? A judge or a ruler. You know, and so these people were coming to Aaron and saying, make us judges and rulers over the people so that we can go out and come in. Now, so, because it speaks about which will go before us. You know, and so to go out and to come in was a military slogan. You know, speaks about, you know, being... You know, going out and coming in, you know, oftentimes spoke about going out to war and, and coming in, you know, um, coming in from war, fighting the battles of other people. You know, now, verse 4, Exodus 32, 4 says, And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Mitzrayim. 
And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to Yahuwah. Alright? Now this would have been Pentecost. You know, he says, it's a feast to Yahuwah. Now, take note, he didn't say it's a feast unto the molten calf. Mm -hmm. So, this, this, this golden calf or this molten calf wasn't made to replace Yah. It wasn't made to replace Yah. You know, so hereby we learn that the calf wasn't meant to replace Yahuwah Elohim. Instead, I believe it was, it was these newly made gods. You know, it was made to represent these newly made gods. You know, uh, they were the ones that was meant to replace Moshe. So these newly made gods were meant to replace Moshe as the one that go before the people, i.e. the leader. So they took the rulership or the leadership and they distributed it amongst this group of people. You know, and... This is what the golden calf represented. You know, they were taking the place of Moshe and the golden calf represented them. You know, it was their golden calf. It was their golden calf because it was made from their gold. He took the gold from them and he made the golden calf. We know they didn't take everybody gold because later on after this we see them still giving gold, you know, for you know the um, make the um, construction of the tabernacle, you know. But this golden calf was a representation of their authority and unification. See, you have to understand that these idols of old they weren't just made and and, and then just worship, you know. Uh, it was a whole system that went along with this practice. And a part of that system was, believe it or not, like a banking system, for one. You know, and so, like many communities, if you would, you know, or peoples, if, if, um, if you would, for lack of a better term, you know, many peoples who had these idols. You know, they would make them out of something like gold, you know, and this would become their treasury, you know, and it represented their unification or their one purse, them being unified, you know, together as one, you know, um, and so having something like this golden calf, you know, would represent to the people that, hey, you know, we as your leaders, we can provide for you. You know, if, if need be, we can provide for you. We can take our gold and go buy food to provide provision for you. We can take our gold and go buy weapons or purchase mission, uh, mercenaries or armies to help fight for us. You know, which is something that was often did in antiquity. 
You know, so, you know, this golden calf represented much more than just an idol in and of itself. It represented the unification and the authority of these newly made gods. Saying that we are unified, you know, through our one purse. You know, and, you know, because we don't put up the money, you know, and we're going to be the leaders and we're going to go out and come in. We're going to we're going to have we're going to be the uh, we're going to have an army that go out and come in, go out and fight, fight our battles and, and come in. You know, we're going to run things pretty much, you know, and this is our security. You know, if we need to buy weapons, if we need to buy horses, you know, uh, or what have you, you know, you can see that, you know, we can provide. We will be good leaders to you. Now, I want you to understand, they just left out of Mitzrayim, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Mitzrayim had a deity called Apis, the bull. And so this was an Egyptian god, but he wasn't worshipped as a god per se. Apis the bull, interesting, interesting enough, was considered an intermediary for man and more powerful gods. So they would use Apis the bull to communicate with mightier gods so what my theory is is they made this golden calf they made this apis the bull if you would so that the newly made gods could communicate with yahuwah <laughs> see because the intermediary which was moshe was gone now, they still had Aaron, but they seem to not have, you know, respected him as much. You know, because, you know, they're just kind of like running over him. You know, but Apis the Bull, he was the intermediary betwixt man and the mightier gods, the mightier pagan gods. And so... I believe it was their notion that they would use, they would, they would sacrifice the apis, the bull, in order to receive communication with Yahuwah since Moshe was absent. You know, and so, you know, it's just a theory. I'm not saying it is so, but I'm just saying it makes sense. You know, because a lot of other stuff just don't. You know, why they keep calling them gods when it's only one calf. You know, I really believe it's speaking to the people. You know, and as we continue, you'll see more so why I feel that way. Let me have my next reader read Exodus 32, 8 through 14, please. And they turned aside quickly <laughs> out of the way, which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it. And have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Mizraim. And Yahuwah said unto Moshe, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. 
Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and will make of thee a great nation. And Moshe besought Yahuwah his Elohim and said, Yahuwah, why doeth they wrath? Why doeth thy wax hot against the people which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Mitzrayim with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, and to slay them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And Yahuwah repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Hallelujah. Okay, so we see that Yah says that they quickly, um, they turned aside quickly out of the way which he commanded them. You know, this knowing Yah actually has a way. Yeah, that's the way we want to travel. And they made him this molten calf. So he's reiterating to Moshe, you know, what has transpired. Moshe intercedes on their behalf, you know, and Yah acquiesces to Moshe's uh, inter intercession. You know, verses 19 through 35, my next reader, please. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing, and, Mo and Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and, and break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf, which they had made and burnt it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee, that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people, that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we were not, we were, we wot not what is become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever has any gold, let them break it off, so that so they gave it to gave it me gave it me and then i cast it into the fire and there came out the, this calf and when moses saw that the people were naked for aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies hallelujah okay so here it is he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mountain I don't know why, but every time I read that, like, my heart just sinks. You know, because, like, these tables, bless you, these, these tables were carved out by Yah. These tables were written with the finger of Elohim. You know, and it just, you know, my heart just 
breaks that he broke them. But he broke them because they broke them. Mm -hmm. Because they were representation of the covenant with Elohim and they broke the covenant. Mm -hmm. Even before he can get back with the, the uh, written terms and conditions, they broke it already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and so here it is. You know, Aaron says that, you know, hey, they set on mischief. You know, said, make us gods which will go before us. You know, so like here it is, we can't stay out in this wilderness. You know, forever we have to keep it moving. So make us gods, make us rulers, make us judges, you know, and we're going to leave our people, you know, up out of here. You know, and so this is what the plan, their plan was. You know, now, verse 25 is interesting. It says, and when Moshe saw that the people were naked, what is he talking about? They lacked a covering. God was no longer covering them. Hence, they were naked. What caused them to become naked? Say again. Yes, worshiping another God, choosing another God. You know, that is, that, you know, that made them naked. That removed the covering. See, because Yah's covering, for one, Yah's covering was through Aaron. They, they went, they went, they kind of just moved Aaron out the way and used him to do it. You know, and said, make us gods. Make us rulers and judges. You know, so it kind of sound like they intimidated my man Aaron. You know, kind of sound like they punked him a bit. You know, and that's just what it sound like, you know. And I mean, you know, because, you know, Moshe asked him, he said, what did this people do unto thee that thou brought such a great sin upon thee? Let it not anger my Lord. Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people they set on mischief. Like, you know, yeah, they was about to beat me down. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, uh, I, had to, I had to do what these people asked. You know, you know, but yeah, so it's like, you know, these were the guys, you know, but that's how they became naked. Whenever you go against the order that Yah has put in place, you lose your cover. You know. So it's it's that's a very important point to understand, you know, because there's a lot of people running around here naked mm -hmm. because they want to do things in the order that they think it should go in. Rather than what Yah has put in place. You know, even as, you know, these people were doing. They didn't want to continue on, even without Moshe, they didn't want to continue on with what what um, Yah had already instituted. They wanted to put their own system in place. You know, and this is this is what they were doing. Exodus 32:26 goes on to say, and Moshe stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on Yahuwah's side? 
Why is he saying who is on Yahuwah's side? Because there's two Elohim in the camp. They're the gods that, or the Elohim that have just been instituted within that the people insisted that Aaron made. And there's Yahuwah. So this is why Moshe is saying, who is on Yahuwah's side? Because Yahuwah has a side and the other Elohim has a side. Can you see that? Now, it goes on to tell us, And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Now, why do you think only the tribe of Levi gathered themselves to Moshe on Yahuwah's side? Why weren't there any other tribes stepping up? Say again. Yes, they were the priests, but why no other tribes were stepping up? Why no other tribes taking Yahuwah's side? Well, no, no, he 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 didn't say let those who are sanctified unto Yah come. He said who is on Yahuwah's side? They were separated. Yeah, they were, but so were all of Israel. They were all out in that wilderness together. He, he was their inheritance, right? Yeah, but they haven't inherited a thing yet. They in the wilderness. What was that? No, ain't nobody had too much of the word. That was the problem. You know, they all they all just heard it from the mountain that was burning. That the man went up and. And you know which they believe got set on fire. Because the Levites were, they were a part of the other party of God, party God's party. They were to be the leaders of Israel. Hallelujah! I love that kid. But <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely correct. It's because Yah instituted the Levites as the rulers. They were the Elohim in place. Of Yahuwah in the camp. So. The other gods. Were made up of all the other tribes. And so that was the new system. That they were implementing. Not that one tribe would be over all of Israel. But that. They would have representative representation. From all the tribes. And that they would rule over Israel. You see the difference. Yah instituted the Levitical priesthood as the ultimate leaders of all of Israel. They said, make us gods to go before us. So in other words, like we're not going to just let y'all lead us. We want representation from all the tribes. And then we'll use this group to lead us. Can you see that? That was the difference. This is why when he said, you know, who is on Yahuwah's side, only the Levites came. Because everyone else went against what Yah said because they wasn't cool with Levi ruling over them. Mm -hmm. 
with them not having any representation. Hence, verse 27 and 28, Moshe says unto them, Thus saith Yahuwah Elohim of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, Go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp. From gate to gate, going through all the tribes, throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, every man his companion, every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moshe, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. Who were these men that... They were killing. They were killing the gods. They were killing all the gods that was representing all the rest of the tribes of Israel. They were eliminating the other gods. The Yahuwah's competition. And their system. Hence, he would destroy the calf. He eliminated their whole system and eliminated the gods. And as a result, 3,000 people, 3,000 men, died that day. And this was the first Pentecost. <clears throat> you know. Not Shavuot. Pentecost. Now consider Acts 2.36 through 41. It says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that Elohim hath made that same Yahushua whom ye have crucified, both Adonai and Mashiach. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Kephas or Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Kephas or Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yahushua Mashiach, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of Ruach HaKodesh. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Adonai our Elohim shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they gladly received his word and were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Can you see Yah was just reversing what was done in the time past in the wilderness? So instead of 3,000 people dying, 3,000 people came on Yah's side. Whereas during that time, 3,000 people left Yah's side and therefore had to be killed because they were putting themselves, pitting themselves against Yahuwah. Elohim versus Elohim. And they lost. You know, but now they didn't want it. To be their own Elohim. They wanted Yah to be Elohim, and hence 3,000 souls were added to them. You know, so this is the difference, you know, betwixt the two. You know, and this was the first Pentecost after the death of Yahushua. 
in in a big way, what happened during the time of Moshe was just a prefiguring of this. You know, for, you know, even as they thought Yahushua was dead, he wasn't. Even as they thought Moshe was dead, when they when they made them gods, he wasn't. Can you see that? You know, they're parallels, they're bookends. You know, and so, you know, God just completed the process. You know, he undid the wickedness that was done during that time. You know, now Yah, this should tell you about Yah, and you should be able to see how he's not in a hurry to do anything. <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> you know, he didn't correct this for quite a while, you know, but he corrected it. Amen? You know, so, you know, he takes his time, you know, but when he does it, he does it right. Yeah. You know, Exodus 33, 7 through 11, and Moshe took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp or far off from the camp and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought Yahuwah went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. Learn from this. Learn that you can do some things that will cause Yah to leave up out the midst of you. And you would have to deal with him whilst he is without your camp. Say lie. Verse 8, and it came to pass when Moshe went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood, every man in his tent door, and looked after Moshe until he was going into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moshe entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and Yahuwah talked with Moshe. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And Yahuwah spake unto Moshe face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. And he turned again unto the camp. But his servant Yah Yahushua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Say thou on that one, right? Mm -hmm. And we jump down to 15 through 17. It goes on to say, and he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Mm -hmm. And so this is Moshe interceding on behalf of Israel because Yah had just told him, Y'all can go on into the promised land. I get to you, like I said, but I ain't going. Mm -hmm. And Moshe, like, Whoa, what, what you mean you're not going? <laughs> He's like, I'm not going. You know, if I go, I'm gonna mess around and kill all y'all. <laughs> you know, so you y'all just go on head on. You know, and so this was Moshe's response, and thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Mm -hmm. For wherein it's from wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Mm -hmm. Is it not in that thou goest with us? Mm -hmm. So shall we be separated, I and thy people? From all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The only way we're going to be separated is if you're with us. Right. And Yahuwah said unto Moshe, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight. And I know thee by name. Mm. Hallelujah. 
you know, before this, you know, Yahoo had told him, look, I'll make a whole, I'll make a whole nother generation of, I'll make another, I'll start over from you and I'll make a whole, I can do the same thing. I'll just make them over from you. <laughs> and Moshe interceded on their behalf then too. But Yahshua didn't say lie. 